Hi everyone and happy new year. I hope everyone is staying strong with the continued restrictions. Thank you so much for listening to the BHA podcast. It's Essie, your players rep here. And before I give the mic to Rambo, I wanted to give everyone a little message out there about the new BHA development Instagram page I've set up and why you should all follow and get involved. So the goal of the page is to share useful content for teams that provide help with not only hockey training and knowledge to help your own game, but also general running of your clubs. Now, for example, some content that you can expect to see is around topics like off-ice training, how to recruit new players or get sponsors, reinforcing safety, um, drills, and sharing just any beneficial education material from already existing platforms like the EIJ and the IIHF. Now, for anyone who's interested in improving their game and increasing hockey and general sport knowledge and just making the most out of your time at your BUIJ club, this page is definitely for you. Um, you can follow us at Dev on Instagram, that is B-U-I-J-D-E-V, and we'd really appreciate your support and getting involved with it. Now, that's all from me. Thank you, everyone, and back to you, Rambo. Oh, It's in the danger zone. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. Oh, no, sorry. We're sorry, we're laughing. It's just that was bad timing. Sorry. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the BIHA podcast. Um, today, we're going to be talking about uh, the new Glasgow Ice Centre project. I'm joined uh, by two of the committee members, Alan Hanna and Margarita Sweeney Baird. Um, how are you doing, Alan? I'll go to you first. How are you, how are you getting on? All good, Richard. Uh, uh, it's been another busy day, and my, 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 my day job is I work for British Curling. Uh, I'm a high-performance coach there, and uh, that's kind of how I got involved. Uh, that's my connection to, to, to winter sports and connection to Glasgow Ice Centre, and uh, I'm a trustee of, of the charity that we've newly formed to take forward their great initiative for a, for a new ice centre, and uh, delighted to uh, be on your show tonight, and uh, answer a few questions so thanks Richard. Thank you and uh, Margarita you, um, you're you also on the on the, the board of the, the trustees um, tell us a bit about yourself and how and how you're getting on just now as well. Uh, thanks Richard thanks for the invitation to join the meeting and welcome to all the the listeners with the, the British University Ice Hockey Association. Um, my involvement with uh, ice skating generally is very long-standing I was a skater myself and I also play curling and my sort of like current day job is primarily to run the charity Inclusive Skating. So that's what I spend most of my time. And we have developed a disability ice skating for all disabilities across all of the different sports. And my essay it also includes ice hockey because we regularly include ice hockey as part of our club activities, whatever we possibly can. So it covers all the sports uh, that are, can take place on the ice. And... In the summertime, Alan Hannah invited me to join the Glasgow Ice Centre. To be honest, I, I really struggled to have the time to do it, but it's such a worthwhile project. And to be able to be involved in bringing 
all of the sports together um, in a much deeper sense for the purposes of the development of facilities is so important and it's so dear to my heart. So I'm more than willing to sort of like squeeze in lots of extra time for the development of the Glasgow Way Centre. That's good to hear. I mean, I'm, I'm from Edinburgh primarily, but I remember uh, playing in the old Summit Centre. I don't know if you remember it very many moons ago. Um, and uh, so I was I was really happy to, to hear that there was a chance that Glasgow would get, get another ice rink um, because biggest city in Scotland and it really would benefit from an ice rink and, and the sport would benefit from Glasgow having an ice rink, I think, um, in general. So, um, Alan, how, how did... Uh, how did the, this vision um, come to mind? How did it develop into what it is now where you've got a very defined pathway to get in this ice rink? It, it, it all really started back in November 2019. And, uh, you know, as, as I said earlier, my background is is curling. I was a member <clears throat> of a club that played out of the, the eight-sheet facility, curling facility, dedicated curling facility that we had at Brayhead at the shopping centre. A lot of people didn't realise there was a curling hall in there, but yeah, up in the up on the first floor uh, next to uh, the arena and next to Pizza Hut was the the eight sheet curling facility. So, Greyhead or Into, you know, you you'll have seen in the press that they they had some you know some troubled waters, and uh, as a lot of people in the retail sector have, and uh, they unfortunately made an announcement a year past November that they were going to close the. The curling facility and that uh, affected about 700 plus curling members at Brayhead and uh, they were going to be displaced and needed a new home to, to play curling in around Glasgow so uh, a group of us and it predominantly started with um, you know with four or five curlers and we we got together um, we, we had some emergency meetings with with the curlers and um, we, we, you know, we're, we're, we're looking, where, where did our future lie? What, what could we do to try and build or, or provide a curling facility in Glasgow to, to house all those 700 members? And, and we, we, we got stuck into that and um, a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of drive and a lot of passion and a lot of gritted teeth. And um, it became quite, quite evident to us that there was a whole raft of other people out there who just wanted the same thing as us. And that was, that was ice. You know, we, we, we all were, you know, the, 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 the skaters were, were, had no place, as you say, in Glasgow to, to go to. And people like the Margaritas Club were, were, you know, were going to East Bride and they were going to Ayr and they were going to Auckland Harvey. And, you know, they were scraping around for, you know, for, for bits of ice. And then when we actually took it to the next level, Something that was really naive in my part was that the the absolute um, number of people that played ice hockey recreationally, junior, etc., in the west of Scotland was huge. So um, there was a whole market there that that I have to say I was quite naive that didn't really have an appreciation that existed. So so once we 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 got all of those. Um, bits uh, of information pulled together, we, we saw that we, um, you know, we, we, we could do something collectively here, bring all the ice sports together, uh, you know, try and, try and create something where, uh, you know, all the, all the ice sports could, could get a bit of ice, get a bit of action and pool our resources of, you know, whether it was financial or just, you know, interest or demand and see if we can make something. So, so that was, 
that was a bit about how it all unfolded. And, uh, you know, then we, we, we moved on to, you know, feasibility study, we'll, we'll, which we've now completed. And, um, and, you know, I think that, you know, uh, you know, I'll no doubt you'll, you'll have a question around the feasibility study, which I'm, you know, happy to answer. But I think just as, a, as an overview, from where we stood as being a group of curlers, having no home and no place to go to, and where we've moved to within such a short period of time and brought all of those ice sports together, that, in a way, even not having the ice facility yet, that's, you know, that's a really proud thing that us as trustees and as a board are, are delighted with how we've, you know, how we've come this far. And I think if we're, if we're going to make this a reality, we just need to all work together and pool our resources to, you know, for, for, you know, for, to deliver ice. And that's what we want in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, and, and Margarita, you obviously said you came in in the, in the summer, I think, last year. What, what sort of challenges were you facing with an inclusive skating, not having an ice pad in Glasgow? Well, the lack of ice generally within Scotland and across the UK is actually, it's an ever-present problem. Everyone is experiencing a lack of ice. And the traditional model of the way the ice rinks uh, work I felt wasn't working for inclusive skating or for people generally within all of the different ice sports. So I was very keen that when uh, I got involved with the project, when I first got involved with the project, it was really just the curlers that were there. But I was very keen to start to get everyone involved because the key to the success of being able to deliver a viable project is actually bringing all of the ice sports together and creating an economy of scale. And I think that's one of the things that's really come across from the, the feasibility study is that the single rink facility is not the ideal model. What is actually much more preferable is a multi-rink facility that can truly accommodate the needs of all of the different ice sports. And when you spread the cost of running an ice pad and the roof space and the floor pan, etc., and the catering facilities, and you actually distribute all of those needs across uh, all of the three different ice sports and they all work cooperatively together. I think we've got a model that could very well end up being a model that you could actually take right across the whole of the UK potentially and you know who's to say not even the world you know because it's it's very different because you've got the integration of hockey curling and ice skating in all of its disciplines so I think it's hugely exciting for the way that the the sports are going to develop and it'll be hugely beneficial to inclusive skating because with the inclusive skating what you've got is you've got the people that are traditionally at the bottom of the pile you know, they've got additional needs and challenges and it's very difficult for anyone to justify giving any ice to the, the inclusive skaters. And if you've got enough ice because everyone's needs are met, then it's much easier to provide some facilities um, for those with additional needs and challenges because there's enough ice time, you know, for them to get a little bit of a share of the ice time as well. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, it was one of the things I was just a, was thinking I should ask about is traditionally, and I'm, I'm if you've been in skating a long time or been in ice sports a long time, it has been a bit of a kind of almost West Side story between ice hockey, figure skating and curling uh, with, you know, a little bit of sort of trying to get ice grabs off of each other in certain facilities. And what excited me about the call that I was on um, following your feasibility study was was all the sports working together. How important do you think that is, Alan, um, to to the success of a Glasgow Ice Centre? Uh- 
I think it's it's the absolute uh, an absolute must for me, and you know, and you know, for, for you know, I'll tell you a little story. I mean, I've I've been fortunate through my you know my day job of working in high performance uh, curling to have been in many many uh, ice facilities all over the world, and and it's the same story when you go into a lot of ice venues that there's that almost like a, a it's almost conflict and a bit of a strained relationship between the various ice sports, and um, the the one thing that once I'd got my head around that, that we needed to do this together, we needed to collaborate, we needed to pool resources, that, the, the, you know, it was, it was quite key to me that if I deliver, you know, if I, if I, if I play a part in delivering Glasgow Ice Centre and I walk into Glasgow Ice Centre in 10 years' time and we have the situation where the curlers and the ice skaters and the ice hockey communities are still all collaborating and working together and not getting a bit kind of angst with each other, I think it's win-win. We we really achieved what we set out to do, and and ultimately, what that's going to do is it's going to help with those sort of crossovers. You know, I'm not saying some of the curlers are going to go and play, uh, you know, play ice hockey, but maybe some of those ice hockey guys might eventually want to try curling. And I think there's a bit of a bit of crossover with with the various ice sports. So so uh, I I think that the route to your question. Absolutely, it's imperative that we all work together. We've now, you know, we'll talk a wee bit about how we move forward, but we've now had some, you know, some initial discussions with with Glasgow, Glasgow City Council, and with Glasgow Life, and um, you know, they're they they're really keen to understand how the dynamic works between the various ice sports, and you know, we we can we can quite confidently tell them our experience of the calls and. The, the, the good work that we've done. So just before I forget, Richard, I'm going to do a wee bit of a, a, an advertising here because we've got a, 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 a nice hockey engagement group and we've got skating and we've got curling engagement groups as well. And uh, on the engagement group are a few well-kent faces in or around Glasgow and the west of Scotland who are involved in, you know, some junior clubs and things. But my... my, my, my my request or my, my, my advert is looking for two or three others to come and join our group. So, you know, if there's any of your, your listeners or any of your connections uh, out there who, who want to get involved in the project, it's not uh, an onerous role. It's just giving some views and, uh, you know, just get probably getting slightly closer to, you know, more of the detail that's going on on a day-to-day basis. Please get them to contact us because we'd be delighted to have a few other representatives from Ice Hockey on board. Well, I'll certainly, I'll certainly make that known to others. Um, I think a, a lot of people are, are quite excited by this, so I'm sure there's some that maybe didn't realise there was a role out there they could play in, in helping. And um, in in any small way, uh, I'm sure any of them would love to help and uh, and 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 get. What was it? Glasgow needs ice. I think was the hashtag campaign right at the start. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, any of them could help. And um, and uh, Margarita with the. Uh, Again, just a similar sort of question. Have you found that people have been quite welcoming to, to sort of inclusive skating? And, and since this project's come in, is it, is it, is it brought more, um, more spotlight on inclusive skating as a project in its own right, having, having this, this ice rink project going on at the same time? Um, inclusive skating has been doing really well in and of itself. You know, we've just held our British Virtual Championships and we're very lucky that Torval and Dean uh, presented the medals for us on Saturday night and it was great fun. So there's a lot of work that's going on sort of internationally and globally with inclusive skating. 
But I think that the synergy that we're creating in the west of Scotland with the Glasgow Ice Centre is probably going to be as important as inclusive skating is generally for the development of, of sport and certainly for the development of, of ice skating. And I think the key to it is actually is that size of the, the structure and the, the way that the sports are being brought together. I think that's going to be really important, uh, particularly the the thing that's really helpful about this project is it's got inclusive skating built into this like the fabric of the project so there's a recognition that you're going to be able to have a, a true community of participation you're going to have everyone involved it doesn't matter what their additional need or their challenges and also what stage they're at in their development you know i've got this sort of vision for inclusive skating which is what i call from cradle to rocking chair and so that would include people, for example, at university level, where you've often got a big dropout within particularly ice skating. And, you know, it's really important to have collegiate programmes, university programmes, and that you have them across all of the different sports, because you really need to include everyone. So I think that the, the hallmark that, that I would say that inclusive skating has got from this is synergy and long-term development. And it's incredibly exciting. I know it's the second time that I've used that word, but I think that the potential that we've got for long-term development here is just huge. I, I think so, and it's, uh, it is exciting. I don't blame you for using that word uh, on multiple occasions. Um, now, the, the other thing is um, just uh, there was, I think there was three sort of rough plans um, for want of a better expression, um, mentioned in the in the in the first call that I, I was a part of, for the the ice rink setup itself, there was a, a single pad, which I think Margarita's already uh, correct me if I'm wrong, kind of dismissed. Mm -hmm. um, but what 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 struck me as is exciting, uh, for want of a better expression, was that it was a uh, the, the the dual pad facility seemed quite feasible uh, rather than sort of being a fanciful dream, which I think a lot of people think it maybe you would have thought it was right at the start. So how did you come about these plans? Um, I'll go back the way this time. Margaret, how, how did how did you find the plans? What, what's exciting you about the, the, the dual pad setup? The, the thing that excited me about the dual pad setup was that you could actually meet the needs of all of the different ice sports. And I think the key to it is that in the second pad, so to speak, um, you've got the potential to divide the ice into, you've got the curling rink, and then you've also got what's known as a party pad. And that party pad, it's a small pad, but it's incredibly useful for the development phase of people learning how to skate. It's really good for inclusive skating, getting them on the ice for the first time. It's really important for small community groups, small parties. And so that's a huge income generator in terms of how the actual pads actually work. And that's what's actually helped, I think, to be the one of the key factors within the feasibility study for the, the multi-rink facility operating. Because it then it frees you up on your main ice pad to, to do it for, you know, bigger, faster skaters who are, you know, for example, your hockey teams, they're going to want to go into the main pad with the full size most of the time. Um, the, the elite figure skaters who are skating really fast doing triple jumps, they can spend a lot more time there. And also public sessions that you actually need to, to run, you know, and to really sort of like generate a lot of funds. So it was the it was the efficiency of use of that multi-pad with the way that the timetabling was put together. And then there's some sort of additional little earners that are really good for training for, you know, everyone that's operating within the community. Things like the multi-station gym, which is a really important pad, you know, an area for people to be able to do, you know, off-ice activities, um, you know, so that you could even do things like conferences as well. You could run 
events. So, for example, one of the things that, that really came across through the engagement groups that we were working with, that the hockey people really enjoy being able to hold a tournament. And to hold a tournament, it's very similar to holding a synchro event where you've got a large number of teams. So you need flexible use of the space so that you can set up a tournament and you can give the teams each their own uh, changing facilities at certain times so they can participate properly in the match. And I mean, I've been involved in running lots of different events with inclusive skating. And so we've got a really good sort of system of doing that. So recognizing that you need to build that into the structure and having spaces for that, it then opens up the potential to be able to, to generate uh, income from these events. So that hockey tournaments for everyone, synchro events for, to, for everyone, inclusive skating events. And with the multi rinks, you can actually keep all the sports actually going at the same time. You don't need to shut the whole facility because you're running a, you know, a hockey tournament. You can still have other activities going on in the second pad. And that's really important long term because you have to try to maintain as much as possible continuity of use for all of the participants. If you keep shutting the, the rink, at the, your single rink, because you want to run an event, then everyone starts to lose interest. So it's really important that the timetabling is really quite sophisticated and nuanced to meet all of these needs and demands. And when we put that all together, it ends up that the dual rink facility running that way is actually more viable than a single rink facility. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Alan, you can maybe you can maybe touch on a little bit on the, the differences in ice for curlers um, to, to ice hockey players. I mean, I, I'm aware of it a little bit because when I was wee, I grew up in Perth and skated a few times on pebbled ice. Um, but I'd imagine that the, having two pads would be great for the, the preparation of, of the curling pad, essentially, and keeping that in tip-top shape whilst at the same time servicing all the, the skating users. Is, um, perhaps you could take us through that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there is. They, they talk about um, preparing curling ice as being a, you know, it's been a science, and it, it's a bit of science in terms of how they, you know, how they go prepping that, and it takes a lot of time, and you know, a lot of dedication and a lot of skill. Uh, probably, you know, you know, a couple of real principal ones is about, you know, it's getting all those kind of nasty bits and pieces out of water that kind of then starts to create some distortion on, you know, on the pebble that's created on, on, on the pad and then it has an impact on the stones and pebbles can be very sensitive. They can either go flat or they can, you know, or, you know, so it's a, it's a very, it's a very uh, a specialist business in being able to prepare good quality curling ice. I'm lucky that I work in the National Curling Academy in Stirling and um, we are spoiled every day of the week because it's absolutely dedicated curling facility and dedicated curling ice. And, you know, we've got a, a first class ice maker there who, who prepares that. The, the key thing about um, a lot of rinks around the country is about, you know, they maybe do that curling kind of Monday to Thursday and then it's skating at the weekend and it's always the challenge for the curlers at that turnover time, particularly on those Mondays after the skaters have been on. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of time that needs to be taken to, you know, cut a lot of dirt out and a bit of grease and just get the thing level again. And, uh, you know, that that's quite a challenge for, you know, for the ice makers in terms of the turnover. So with having the, the two pad option, 
we can go to a, a dedicated curling facility. That means that we don't have those challenges that are created by turnover. And uh, we, we can c- control and bring, you know, bring a more consistent level of quality of ice conditions to, for the curlers uh, o- over, you know, over their curling season, which is generally that uh, end of, you know, end of September to, to end of March sort of period. I think that's a really significant point, Alan, that you're making there as well, because what you effectively do when you're doing your turnover time is you lose a whole day of ice time every week in a single ice pad facility if you're using it for multi-use, because it's going to take you one day to take it from being an ice skating facility into a true curling facility. So it means effectively if you're operating a single rink facility, you've actually only got six days of ice time. Whereas one of the advantages of having the multi-rink facility and you've got a dedicated curling rink plus a dedicated end ice is that the dedicated curling rink, you've got absolutely no turnover time at all. You're going to be able to maintain the quality at all times. And then that's going to free up the main rink that it's then going to be available for the hockey and the skaters 24-7, seven days a week. Yeah, 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 that's... um... That's kind of what I was I was interested in. Incidentally, curling is the only sport I've tried where I, I got a concussion in the first time trying it um, by falling over on wet ice. So um, I haven't tried where it since, you? but I do enjoy. Sorry, whereabouts were you? I was I was in Perth when my mum worked there as a skater, as, as one of the stewards when they had the skating. And they said, do you want to try it? And I just fell um, almost as soon as I went on the ice. <laughs> Balanced on skates, not so much on my, on my shoes. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, I, I do enjoy watching it in the Olympics, which brings me to my next point. You do have some, uh, as you say, well-kent faces from from around the sporting world. I think perhaps Eve Moorhead um, and uh, is it Pete Russell from the, the GB yep. coach? How, how did you get in touch with these people and, and get them involved? Um, the, I mean, the, firstly, with Eve um, Lauren Gray, who's also a trustee on on, on the on the Glasgow Ice Centre, plays in the same team as Eve. Uh, I've known Eve since she was, you know, a, you know, a, a very young uh, a young girl coming up through the the ranks and, and curling. So she's somebody that's known very well to, to particularly to, um, to to Lauren and I and to to the wider curling community. And um, you know, I have to say that her you know, profile and as far as a curling ambassador is concerned, there's probably nobody got any, you know, larger profile and certainly a social media following, which is hugely important for us than, than what he brings. And uh, she's, uh, you know, very supportive of our work and, uh, you know, we'd be absolutely uh, delighted to see, a, you know, an ice facility in, in Glasgow that uh, maybe she could compete at one day. Who knows, you know, if we could host a championship that uh, Eve could play at would be absolutely fantastic. So, and um, and Pete, Pete was, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was uh, again introduced to us as a name that we should possibly go and, uh, you know, have a conversation with. Liz Burton King, uh, the, the fourth trustee of Glasgow Ice Centre, uh, reached out to, to Pete and, uh, you know, they had a, you know, they had a long conversation and Pete shared his, his view of the world from, you know, from the ice hockey perspective and, uh, again, is, is totally on board and very supportive of our work and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, we're just delighted to have, you know, somebody of Pete's calibre uh, on, you know, on our, on our list of uh, ambassadors who are, who are helping promote the project, so. 
And from ice skating, we've got a couple Margarita on, haven't we? So we, we do. Uh, we've got quite a few that are like at two different ends of the career. We've got Mark Henratty, who is currently on Dancing and Ice, and he's one of the leading professionals on Dancing and Ice as one of our ice ambassadors. And we've also got Lewis Gibson, who's the current British men's champ, uh, sorry, British um, ice dance champion with his partner. And they are a really exciting prospect for the future. So they're going to be, uh, in all probability, competing in the next Olympics. You know, they're ranked uh, close to the top 10 in the world at the moment. And they're very young and very, very exciting. So uh, Lewis is obviously, he's training at the moment out in Canada in the main sort of like global sort of like centre for ice dance and doing extremely well. Fantastic ice dance, great fun, got great personality and great charisma. So I think we're very fortunate that we've got some really good new people representing the ice skating side of things uh, as ice ambassadors. And just to, Rachel, just to finish off the ambassadors question, we've got another couple of curlers in there too. So, so uh, Ross Patterson, who's a, he's a Glasgow lad. He's, he represented um, Scotland at the Europeans um, a year past and has been, you know, well known in the, you know, in the GB programme for a long, long time. So, you know, we're delighted to have Ross on board, and uh, he, you know, again, he's uh, he would be, you know, really keen to have a, a nice facility in Glasgow. And Aileen Nielsen, who's on our project board, and Aileen, uh, you know, is a former Paralympian. She's bronze medaled at the Paralympics uh, at the Olympics. Uh, you know, a, a, an absolute, uh, you know, great wealth of experience in, in wheelchair curling and. Uh, you know, from, you know, we're just delighted to have Aileen not only as an ambassador, but also as part of our project board and part of our project team. So, so you know, six individuals who bring lots of uh, different uh, life experiences and experiences in the relevant sports. And uh, we're, we're, we're just, you know, we're just delighted to have them all on board. It's brilliant. That's, that's really fantastic. And it, it's um, it's been good seeing that you've got support of people who are well known in the ice world, as, as, as you say, um, and, uh, and all got uh, good credentials and exciting prospects for Olympics. Uh, if you're betting people, um, go out there on Paddy Power and put a bet in now for the <laughs> ice dance. Um, but we, we take no responsibility if you lose. Um, and uh, in, ter in terms of before you even got to the stage where you're at now, where you have trustees and, and you've had your meetings at some of these online meetings and seminars um there were people out there uh running and doing all sorts of fundraising things and um, for i think it was the feasibility study uh, molly mitchell might be one of them of the glasgow stags fame possibly a future steel queen we hope um uh, and, but um what sort of is there going to be other activities that are coming up maybe other fundraising uh, potential um of any sort do you want to cover that one, Margarita? <laughs> yeah, I'm a great proponent of the, the Kilt Walk. The Kilt Walk is uh, certainly within inclusive skating, our preferred method of fundraising. And when I got involved with uh, the Glasgow Ice Centre, I really pushed for the Glasgow Ice Centre to become a properly registered charity, which it has done so. And with that opens up the potential to do the Kilt Walk because you need to be a registered charity to be able to do the kilt walk and uh, to be able to, you know, get gift aid and such like. So through the efforts of all the team involved with the kilt walk, that was what raised the, the £40,000 that we needed 
to pay for the feasibility study and to get the whole project up and going, which we've done. But obviously we're now going to be looking to develop all of the ice sports and to make sure that the Glasgow Ice Centre can actually come to fruition. So we will be doing the kilt walk again. So we would love, and this would be a real shout out to all of your lovely young, fit, healthy, you know, people. And even if you're not so healthy, you with the kilt walk, it's a virtual kilt walk that's taking place in April. If you could possibly sign up and actually support Glasgow Ice Centre by doing any sort of activity. It could be stick handling skills if you're an ice hockey player, you know, like all the different things that you could think of that could potentially be a way of raising funds. We would love to have you coming in, taking part in the Kilt Walk and fundraising for the Glasgow Ice Centre. Okay, great. Well, um, I'll, I'll maybe put my thinking cap on and uh, and we'll see where we're at in April. Um, and uh, yeah, no, that's 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 brilliant to to hear about and I'm sure some some of the people think it's a fun way to bring people together doing all these things at the end of the day especially just now um right the next the sort of the last sort of serious question um just roughly what's the sort of maybe the time scale on this I appreciate with COVID uh not really caring about Glasgow Ice Centre um things get pushed back but what are we looking at potentially time-wise um, I appreciate these things sometimes take U-turns here and there, but um, I mean, you, uh, I'm not sure if you if you heard much of the the program uh, answers to some of the questions uh, on the last call that we had, but um, you know, we 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 initially had a target of September 2022 to try and create. Uh, a facility be open, be operational, and uh, you know that was a that was quite an ambitious target, and it was some we had to put some line and line in the ice as to where we were going to try and try and pitch it at. And um, the the first thing was to get the feasibility study done, as we, as we've said, you know we'll, we'll go, we're we're absolutely delighted that feasibility study has come back and it's promoted a you know a twin pad option and it's shown that it's. Is viable, it's sustainable, it can it can fund, you know, the, the funding solution that, that, that we require. So the, the key bit for us at the moment is to is to find um, an operator, to find a, a, a route to fund it. And that's you know, you know, our main piece of work in the next two, three months. And you know, we hope to try and get some clarity on, on direction in that time scale. That involves Glasgow City Council, it involves Glasgow Life. Um, we've not totally thrown all our eggs in the one basket. We've, you know, we've had some tentative discussions with, you know, some other operators out there. And, uh, you know, I think that's important that we, we uh, you know, we keep our, keep, our, keep our options open. But our absolute primary focus at this stage is definitely we want it to be with, within Glasgow, to be Glasgow City Council and have Glasgow Life on board. That would be, that would be fantastic. So once we get that done, um, then hopefully move to, you know, it's about site identification. We've had some discussions around sites. It's then about site identification, ultimately a planning application, ultimately to build it. So the, 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 the long answer to your question is really probably sometime in 2023. I think that September 2022 timeline that we talked about is just really from, from where we stand now, uh, into January 21 is probably really quite, a, you know, a long shot to ever be able to achieve that. So sometime in 2023, if all the all the pieces of the jigsaw and somebody comes to, you know, 
know, comes to the party with, with the cash to fund it, then, you know, we're off and running. So, um, yeah, watch this space, I think is the answer. Cool. Um, well, that's that's exciting. I mean, 2023 is is not as far away as you think as well. So for everyone that's going, oh, chucks, um, we've waited long enough now for even our own ice, our, our currently built ice rinks to reopen again. So I'm sure we can wait a little bit longer for a nice shiny new facility. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and and Marguerite, to you, are you looking forward to this being open? Do you, I know you've mentioned the word exciting, but how, how are you feeling seeing all this coming together? Oh, I just think it'd be so amazing to have our own ice facility in the, the west of Scotland in Glasgow. It would just be so amazing. It would transform so many people's lives. The one thing that's wonderful about, you know, ice skating um, and curling and ice sports generally is that there's this wonderful sense of community that builds up and develops. And uh, it's going to be just lovely to be able to we're already creating the community and we're already seeing the community beginning to build up. So once we get our own home and we can actually bring everyone together and hold lots of fun activities, um, I'm really looking forward to the sound of laughter. It's the one thing that I absolutely adore in life. I love listening to people being happy and I love hearing them having a good time. So that's really what I'm looking forward to is seeing that happening at the Glasgow Ice Centre. That's, that's lovely. Um, and then, I'm hoping that we can have, hopefully by then we're allowed to not be totally socially distanced. We can have a big giant party, um, you know, <laughs> uh, the first and last disco skate, perhaps, I don't know, but <laughs> at Glasgow Ice Centre. Um, now, um, just just one thing on a sort of more general theme um, before, uh, I, I appreciate I've taken up quite a bit of your time tonight, but um, Obviously, we've got, you've mentioned two Olympians earlier on, Margarita, and, and we've got Elise Christie, Eve Muirhead, um, I forget her first name, I used to call her Wee Sloney, um, and, all, and, and all these great athletes in the Winter Olympics. Is, is, is that amazing, considering what we've discussed, the sort of lack of solid ice facilities in Scotland? Well, I think it's a travesty because, you know, like even my very first skating pupil was Suzanne Otterson and she went to the Albertville Olympics. I mean, uh, sorry, Lillehammer. It's just amazing that all these people have actually been in the west of Scotland and they've come out of, and also Scotland generally. You know, we've had so many people involved in ice sports to not have the biggest city in the whole of Scotland not having an ice facility. You know, it's a complete travesty. So it's something that we've really got to sort out and actually create all those opportunities because we've got the future ahead of us for all of these people and there's so many people that have been involved in ice sports generally who would love to come back to this country to be able to be involved in an ice centre at the Glasgow Ice Centre. You know there's many people that are working for example in America and Canada and they had to go abroad because there was no ice rink for them here in Glasgow so I think you'll actually see that there'll be a huge number of people who want to come back home and that they'll actually want to be involved and certainly I can see from all of the social media that we've got that there's a huge uh, global support for this project. It's really important for everyone. Great. Okay. And, um, and Alan, um, maybe you could speak just a little bit of why Scotland seems to be pretty dominant in the UK for curling, um, all things considered, uh, when the biggest city doesn't have a rink. But uh, is, that, is that just all, all you or is there, is there other people involved in that? <laughs> 
I mean, I think there, there, there's a long tradition and a, you know, a strong tradition of curling in Scotland and, and being really well connected to, to a lot of those venues. You talk, and it kind of goes a bit as a peaks and troughs. You, talk, you, you mentioned Perth Ice Rink you know, earlier, for instance. Perth had a, you know, had a, a really huge uh, dominance, I would say, in terms of being producing you know, multiple world championship champions over the years. And uh, you know, that was originally a a hockey rink in the old uh, Dunkeld Road site uh, before they moved to the new facility at Jeers. So, so they've just had a, a real strong curling base there, a, a lot of family connections there. And then you go to the other end of the scale, you go to Stranraer, you know, as as the Northwest Castle in Stranraer, which is a, you know, a hotel owned and run by the Macmillan family. And the Macmillan family, you know, uh, you know, have a, a four sheet curling facility in the hotel. And uh, again, it's just got a, a very small, a lot a much smaller uh, focus on curling. It produced again, multiple world junior and world champions and, you know, Olympians out of that venue. So, so I think it's, it, it's a bit driven by families, but connections about you know all, all of those sort of things that uh, you know have generated a lot of those fantastic champions that we've had over the years so uh, as far as why they're in Scotland and why we don't have them in you know in England I'm, I'm not quite sure I'm just thinking possibly that in some of those other venues down south and Margarita have more sense of feeling of this than, than I do it, it was probably from, you know, probably that the main focus was in around skating and probably ice hockey activities rather than curling. Whereas in Scotland, in some of those venues, they were either only dedicated curling facilities or the first sport was curling. And I think that that, that that's how I see it. Mm-hmm, exactly. In, in Glasgow, we're very fortunate also to have had a very rich tradition of ice sports generally. And that harks back to the old Cross Mollify Shrink because the, the old Crossmill of Ice Rink actually had a triple rink facility, which a lot of people don't realise. You had the great big huge ice skating rink, which was actually the largest rink, uh, I think the second largest rink in Europe, because it was 225 uh, in length. It was really very, very long, and there was a really good chunk of end ice available. But in addition to that, it had a dedicated curling rink that was only used for curling, and it was used for curling all the way throughout the season. And then you had an additional little curling rink you know, in at the back. So this huge cross-mill of ice rink was what served the needs of the, the ice community within Glasgow. And I think that shut was about 1986, that shut down. And since then, there's never been a proper ice facility to replace um, the cross-mill of ice rink. And really, that's what we actually need, is we need this multi-rink facility to meet all of these demands. Because if you go back to, to say, for example, ice hockey, back in the days of the old Cross Maloof, you actually you had two main teams there. You had the Glasgow Dynamos and the Paisley Mohawks, and they all worked out of that rink in addition to the Peewees and the junior teams as well. And they were on that ice, you know, the, the Cross Maloof ice rink really worked, you know, 24-7. You know, it was working, you know, really long hours. It was open to all of the groups and everyone was able to access it. So it needed a lot of ice time to sustain such a large population of ice users and it created a huge tradition. And I think, you know, people forget the old cross of ice rink and its, old, and its importance in the history of ice sports in Scotland, but it was very significant to its development. Yes, yeah, I mean, cer- certainly, as I say, I'm, I'm a bit I'm a bit young to remember cross Maloof. Um, I'd have been one when it closed. Uh, I do remember the Summit Centre, which was, 
as I remember, it had a great big ice pad, and it was a, it was a very nice facility. Um, and it was quite near the SECC, though my geography at age seven is right. probably not the best. Um, and I, I think since then, Glasgow's been served by Paisley, which is obviously not, it's a different town, um, or, or Brayhead, which is not really in the city centre and not the most ideal places unless you're going to sort of watch a professional game because, I mean, I've been to play there and it's, Sort of like trying to break into Alcatraz, getting getting into the rink when you when you get there because you don't know which entrance you're meant to go into and things. Lovely pad when you get in, but a bit of a pest otherwise. So I think it'd be great to have a proper dedicated ice facility in Glasgow, and I think you make it you make a lot of people very happy. Um, you'll be pleased to hear uh, once this is all said and done, and I'm 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 very I'm very excited for for it myself. Um, before before I, I let you guys go, is, is there anything that I should have touched on that I've missed? Because I appreciate it's a big project and I've maybe not not got all, everything down. I think, I think there was just one little bit for me was, and Margarita probably touched on it, but um, the, 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 the opportunity for development of each of our ice sports is, is absolutely huge. And, you know, and actually when we, 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 we did all the number crunching, we did all the viability, we did the feasibility study, you then start to question yourself, you know, have we actually got enough headroom in here for, you know, for development? You know, you take your, you know, the, you know, a, you know ice hockey, for instance, and, you know, I think I said at the, the beginning that I was really surprised what, you know, what the, the number of people out there in the west of Scotland uh, played ice hockey. Well, I just think, you know, Clubs like yourselves and, uh, you know, some of the other junior clubs out there are just looking for opportunity to develop, increase their, their membership. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, uh, and I can say the same for curling, and I'm sure Margarita can say exactly the same for, for, for figure skating, that the, the opportunity to, to develop all those sports and bring a whole new raft of uh, customers and ice sports enthusiasts into Glasgow Ice Centre would be you know, it's just it's just a just a great opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I get the uh, the vibe from from me that I'm feeling as someone who's not part of the project, but just someone looking in. Is it's almost like the ice sports equivalent of Field of Dreams. When you build it, they will come, sort of thing. It's going to be yeah. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be good. So I'm I'm pleased about about all the all the positive steps that you've taken and all the hard work I'm sure you're putting in, even taking time out your day to come and speak to me <laughs> um, randomly on a, on, a, on a Tuesday evening. So uh, it's really appreciated, I'm sure, on behalf of everyone in the ice sports. Now, before I go, it's a tradition. I always ask if you want to give a shout out to anyone on the pod. That way you can blackmail them into listening to it when it comes out. Um, so, uh, Margarita, is there anyone you would like to give a, a shout out to um, on the podcast? Oh, for me, it's Molly Mitchell Knight, without a doubt. Molly, one one of our inclusive skating coaches as well. So Molly is very dear to my heart. I've known Molly for a very long time. So definitely a big shout out to Molly. Job well done on the social media for the Glasgow Ice Centre, Molly. Well done. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's that's two mentions, Molly Scott. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm off the hook. Um, and uh, and. Alan, any anyone you would like to, to mention? I, I think it'd be really unfair of me probably to, to to single out any one individual. I think, you know, I've always played pretty pretty uh, straight back with these things. And I, I'm just delighted with everybody who's got involved with Glasgow Centre, from you know, from the four trustees to 
the nine people who sit in our project board to you know to the wider team and you know supporters of us including the consultants and on those engagement groups now we have nearly 30 people between curling uh, ice skating and ice hockey and those 30 people you know 30 individuals bring a raft of experience to to the project from their individual ice sports and you know they're 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 the real, you know, they're the real help to us because they they help us communicate lots of strong messages to, you know, to, to the wider ice sports communities out there. So, so sorry, I'm going to duck the question and I'm going to say the whole of the Glasgow Ice Centre team. There you go. Well done. Uh, Alan Hannah there, Master of Curling and Master in Diplomacy. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> So um, all, all that's left for me to say is I uh, thank you both very much for your time this evening um, and for um, for coming on this call. It's, it's been, as I say, very. it makes me very happy to hear about another ice facility uh, potentially in, in Scotland. And uh, um, so thank you very much. And um, that's a goodbye uh, from the podcast. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for having us. Cheers. Thank you.